Thank you for coming. Welcome to Parsha in my life. Um, this week we have a double portion. Before we do that, let's quickly uh, mention today's very special dedications. Just give me one second. Here we are. Okay, so this week's uh, CD was dedicated by the Smolyansky family in honor of a grandmother, Golda Bas Yosef, whose yurtzeit is the 25th of year. May her neshama have a, great, a, a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights and in honor of a special bar mitzvah, Moishi's bar mitzvah, Moishi Smolyansky. May Hashem bench him to grow um, in Torah and Yerushalayim and be a very big nachast <coughs> to his family. Much, 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 much uh, simchas and only, only good things. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. I, I want to dedicate, just the news came in today, uh, very big, very happy news. Um, uh, from a Horowitz, uh, Yitzi and Dina Horowitz's daughter uh, became a Kala today. We want to wish them a very big, 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 big Mazel Tov. Uh, it should be a and only, only Simchas and only, only great things. Wow, what a great Simcha. May it be a complete and total, total, total Simcha with the Rufu Shalem of Yitzi and the coming of Mashiach and only, only good things. Uh, another dedication dedication this week was by Melach and Hannah Weiss in honor of their anniversary coming up on the 28th of Iyar. May Hashem bless you both with good and healthy many, 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 many happy years. Chaim Nitzchiyim. Eternal life together uh, with much nachas from the family. Parnasar Barachava and only, only good things. Wonderful, wonderful good things. Sometimes we wonder, we say that when Mashiach will come, we will live eternal life. And then you start thinking like, you know, <laughs> that can get kind of burn, boring. Eternal, eternal life. Then you wonder about your marriage. How long can I? Uh, like, what, that might get a little boring in terms of the, 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 the how much conversation. And so we can talk about everything in the world. But then, so what I was thinking of is very important. It, it's all related to what I spoke about last week. We are only experiencing today a tiny little minuscule of our personalities, and of our capabilities, and of our wisdom. We are very, very, very much suppressed during the time of exile. We're living off the tiny little, little crumb of a crumb of our personality, of our soul. When Mashiach will come, our true nature, our true inner being will, sh- will blast forth, will come open, and we will be like a fountain. Every single one of us will be like a fountain of life and a fountain of wisdom and a fountain of, a fountain of talent. We have, see, every little talent we have now is only a fraction of our true personality and talents. So... Uh, the human soul connected to an infinite God has infinite insight, infinite talent, infinite beauty, infinite everything in the infinite. So uh, our relationships will not become boring. They will only become more and more and more interesting and exciting. That's just an interesting idea. Back to the dedications. Um, Imagine if one day the, the dedications become the whole class. Okay. Mrs. Lapkowski, this is an honor of her father's yard site. I think on the 28th 
Rav Iyar as well, Yeshua ben Eliezer. Reb Yeshua ben Reb Eliezer, may his Nisham have a very great Aliyah to the greatest of heights. May he channel lots of brachas to you and to your family, much nachas from the children and simchas and only, only good things. And may we merit the coming of Mashiach already so everybody can be reunited with their loved ones. I am going to admit that I flew into New York Matzah Shabbos to give two talks in New York and I flew back today and it did really wipe me out I'm not afraid for my energy that I know I'll, I'll get. I, I didn't put in the amount of, of research into this talk that I'm giving tonight. It's based on a, on a sicha, on a talk of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, one of the most fundamental talks uh, dealing with Yomoysa Mashiach in which he gives just clarity. It's a very Talmudic kind of a discussion which should have required a couple of hours of diligent uh, in, uh, research. And I didn't do that, so I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be working on it together as we're as we're reading today. Okay, so uh, Hashem sometimes, I mean, the Abish always surprises me, but sometimes like there's such a divine assistance for this class that when I'm when it's the most unexpected, it comes out not bad. May Hashem help. It should come out better than not bad. Okay, here we are. The Rambam says, Maimonides. Uh, well, so we'll speak about this uh, connection to our parsha. We have a double portion, and it's Shabbos Mavarchim this week, Chaydish Sivan. By the way, it's a really interesting idea, by, very interesting. The Torah is connected to the number three. We spoke about this many times. The Talmud says in Masechtis Shabbos, the Torah is given to us on the third month, and that blessed is God who gave us a triple Torah on the third month uh, to, a, to a triple people. Everything about the Torah is number three. This year, it's 3,300 and 30 years since the giving of the Torah. This year's, uh, this year's Shavuos. So the threes are lining up. We spoke so much about the eights lining up and the seven last. You know, this year it's the threes lining up for Matan Torah. So it's big, 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 big time. It's amazing. A very, 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 very opportune time for the for the full, and Matan and Lagbom was the 33rd day. Yeah, that's right. All connecting. In any case. Um, Maimonides tells us in the 12th chapter of the Laws of Kings, the last chapter, the last parak in the book of Mishnah Torah of the Rambam. The Rambam says like this, We should not think, we should not entertain the thought or, or have that idea in our, in our hearts that when Mashiach will come, we will enter into a magical world. This goes along with what we spoke about last week. The Mashiach is just discovering the soul of life, of everything that's now, not a new world, not a whole new existence that's foreign and strange, that we're, that we're not going to become another person. We're going to be ourselves, but ourselves enhanced. So Maimonides says this. Maimonides says, don't think that when Mashiach will come, it will be a new world, the nature will change. That will not happen. Or there's going to be something new in the work of creation. Don't think that there's going to be newness in the work of creation. When Mashiach will come, the world will continue to conduct itself in a, in a regular way, in its normal fashion. If so, Maimonides right away challenges himself with open verses that are stated in the Navi. The Navi says, when it speaks about the prophecies of Mashiach, it speaks about tremendous natural changes where the nature will be completely completely turn around. The nature of animals. We all know the famous psukim in, in uh, Yeshaya Hanavi, in Isaiah, where it speaks about Moshiach. And it says over there, 
V'gar zev im keves, that a wolf will live with a lamb. V'namer im gedi yirbat, and a leopard with a goat, or with a young uh, sheep, will, will graze. So these, these are spectacular changes in nature, like the famous thing of the lion and the lamb. Even though that's a miss, it doesn't say anywhere the lion and the lamb. It says the wolf and the, and the, and the, and the lamb. But in any case, uh, it, these are verses describing a phenomenal change in nature. So how is it that I am saying, Maimonides questions himself, how is it that I am saying that there will not be a change in the natural world? So Rambam answers, no, no, you have to understand that these things don't have to mean in the literal. These things can mean uh, they're all um, a mashal. They're all just a, a, uh, a metaphor. In what does it mean when we say that the lion and the, 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 the wolf and the sheep will, will, and the leopard and the goat will hang out together? It means that the Jewish people will sit securely with the wicked of the world. Is the wicked people will sit securely. What does that mean? Rahani will come to Israel. Now already he's been exposed and everything, and he'll uh, he'll behave and he'll come and he'll he'll uh, and together with Kim Kim Jong Un, all these all these guys will have a complete turnaround in terms of their nature, and they'll all become civilized. They'll become mentioned. They might even become Jew lovers, and uh, that might happen. Anyways, the Yidna are going to sit securely in with the wicked of the world. The wicked people of the world will become, will become friends of the Jewish people. So that's not a change in the, in the nature of it. You might say that sounds like the biggest change in the nature of the world. But when I mean to say it's not a fundamental change in the essential character of existence, of the way God created nature. People sometimes are enemies and then they become friends. So it's not like... So that's possible. That we can understand. But to change the nature of animals, that's already nature. You're messing already with the very, very characteristics of the animal. So how Hamshulim, so they're compared, these wicked people are compared to the wolves, to the leopards, and so forth. And everybody's going to be enlightened. So all the people are going to turn back to the right, true faith, and true belief. And then they will not rob, they will not act in a... In a, in a violent manner. They're going to eat that which is kosher, something that's permissible together with the Jewish people. Like in the White House today's days, there's a kosher kitchen because, you know, Ivanka Trump is there. So you see, it says already, Ramam spoke about this, that the, that the, that the, that the, that the leaders of the nations are going to eat uh, that which is uh, permissible. I mean, what's davar Kosher food, right? Be Yisrael together with the Jewish people. Now, that's an extreme. Ramam is saying, basically, they're going to eat, it's not going to be stolen goods. It's going to be permissible, something they're allowed to. Okay. And the Ramam says, and so also all the rest of the things. All the other things that it says about Mashiach. These type of things that speak about Mashiach, that describe big natural changes in the in, in, in miraculous changes in the world you should know they're all metaphors when Mashiach will come it will become known to everybody what this is a mashal for what is this a metaphor and what is this indicating to that's what Rambam says now the objections from the Rambam immediate comes from the Ravid the Ravid who is the chief uh, uh, um, uh, arguer on the Rambam um, immediately inserts his note and he says the rabbi to his name was Rabbi Avram ben David he was a a, um, a, um, 
How do they call it? Someone who lives at the same at the same period of time, a um, contemporary. He was a contemporary of the Rambam, and he really really gave the Rambam a rough time on on um, on, on his uh, on the Rambam's book. Any case, Amar Avram, Avram argues. Avram is the the rivet. It says this week in the parsha, I am going to eliminate wild beasts from the land. What is he referring to? So pasuk and parsha is bechukaisai. In this week's parsha, the Torah tells us in bechukaisai telechu. If you're going to go in my chukim, you're going to observe my commandments. God goes and gives us a whole list of incredible blessings, which the sages say most of those blessings were never fulfilled. Those blessings are referring to the messianic age. Time of Mashiach. There's going to be I'm going to give peace in the land. I'm going to give you all the rains and the time. There's going to be plenty. You're going to have so much abundance and so on and so forth. One of the things it says is I'm going to eliminate a wild beast from the land. And there's two opinions what that means. Either it means that God is simply going to bring all wild, be- all wild animals to extinction. And they won't exist anymore. Or another opinion is that He's going to change their nature their predatory nature will change. But either way, it's a, it's, it's, it's a change in the nature of the world. Even if we say extinction, you know, it's one thing if one species gets extinct. It's another thing if all wild beasts will become extinct, which, by the way, is like you know, something we don't really want. We like have this, this sense of... It says in the, in the, in the Pasuk, so the Rav, it says, what are you talking about? There won't be a change. The Torah says openly that during the time of, of Mashiach, that will have that change. Another contradictory statement to the Rambam, which seems to contradict what the Rambam says, is a passage in the Talmud, in, in, in Gemara, in Mesechtas Ksubis, Tractate Ksubis, the last page, Davkuf Yud Beis, in the end, is the conclusion, the last verse in Tractate Ksubis. It says like this, Omer Barashi, the son of Ashi said, Omer Rav, in the name of Rav, Asidin kol ilone srak, yisrol peres, that in the future, all barren trees that are in the land of Israel are going to be loaded with fruit. That means that we're not going to have any more barren trees. All trees are going to be fruit trees. All trees, even those that today's days are, don't give any fruit, just like an oak tree or whatever, all these, a pine tree and the like, all these trees in the land of Israel are going to give fruit. Shanamar, as it says, they bring a pasuk, ki eats nasa piryoi, a fruit, it's a pasuk in, in, in Yoel, in Joel. In Perek Beis, pasuk Chav Beis. He ate because the fruit, the tree, Nasa Pirya, is carrying its fruit. Te'ena, the fig tree, the geffen and the vineyard, Nasnu Chelam have given all their strength, have given out their power. Okay? So that's a, 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 a prophecy that, and with this is concludes Masechtas Kesubis. Now, talking about a change in the world, a change in nature. I mean, today's days, we have certain fruit trees. That's what we have. We have the fig tree. We have I mean, all the fruits that there are that grows on trees. But we have also all the barren trees. All the, right? But we're going to say, when Mashiach will come, all trees will bear fruit. Now, the Gemara Mesechtas Ksubis says, regarding Israel, this is going to happen in Israel. This is not necessarily a phenomenon that's going to happen in the entire world, only regarding to the land of Israel. However, the Torah's Kahanim, which is the Safra, which is the Medrash on Bayikra, so in the Torah's Kahanim, he says as follows: Menayin Sha'afi on this week's parsha, Menayin Sha'afi Lani Srak Asidim Lias Oisim Peres. How do we know that even ordinary, regular, non-fruit trees are going to in the future? They're going to produce fruit. Talmud Loimar he learns it out from a verse in our pasuk in our parsha. 
Again, the second parsha this week, parsha's Bukhukaisai. The eight sasada, the trees of the field, Yiteng Piryoi will give its fruit. It says the tree of the field. Which, what's the tree of the field? All the field trees, not special trees, trees part of a, you know, of a, of a special grove or something. It's all the trees. Eight sasada, the trees of the field, they're going to give their fruit. That means all. And if you're interesting, take note in the, in the, um, in the, uh, in the uh, Torah's Kahanim, it doesn't limit it to the land of Israel. It says general. All, tr- all, tr- all. Talk about, I was talking about before how human beings, how we all have so much more to give, but we're not producing. So you see that that's going to happen in everything. That simply, take a look. Most of the trees that there are in the world don't give. Imagine the forests all giving their fruit. And who knows what kind of fruits these are. These are fruits that we've never tasted. It's possible even that the really good fruits we've never gotten. That the fruits that we've had in like that till now are like, you know, the fruits that we deserve in this world. But the ultimate fruit, what kind of, what kind of, 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 of variation of fruits there's going to be after Mashiach comes. But that's what it says. So you have clear maimare chazal, clear statements from the sages, deriving it from verses, that there is going to be a major change in the nature of the world. So this is, so that's the problematic with Rambam. Rambam says there is no change when Mashiach will come. There is no change in the nature. Everything remains the same. It's only that Jews are going to return to the land of Israel. There's going to be peace in the land. We're going to have a base on Migdash. We're going to be we're going to have a king. We're going to have our own government. We have to fulfill all the mitzvahs. And everybody's going to leave us alone. And general life is going to be very good. There's going to be wealth. Rambam says it's going to be wealth. We're not going to have any worries and concerns. I'm going to be able to pursue knowledge of God. That's what Rambam says. But no changes in, in the natural order. And you have clearly proof that there will be. So that's the objection the Ravid asks on the Rambam. Again, Ravid doesn't refer to the Talmud, the statement that I just brought you from Mesechtas Ksubis and Tyrus Kahanan, where they talk about the fruit trees. Rambam, Ravid is just bringing the change that's taking place in the animal kingdom. That the nature of animals are going to change. So it seems like Ravid is of the opinion that there will be a change in the natural order. Rambam, Maimonides, is of the opinion that there won't be a change in the natural order. The world continues to be as is. Fine. The, Rad, the Radbaz, Radbaz is a commentator on Rambam. So he defends the Rambam from the Ravid's attack. When the Ravid attacks the Rambam, you see, Rambam never got a chance to answer the Ravid. Because by the time the Ravid wrote all of his Hasagas on the Rambam, the Rambam wasn't alive anymore to be able to defend himself. That's why the Rambam has a whole army of defenders who defend him against the, Ra- the Ravid's onslaught. Okay? So these late, later rabbis will all come to defend to the rescue for the Rambam. So the, Ra- the Radvaz says, What are you asking me this big question? Oh my, it says in the Pasuk, the animals are going to what? The, and the nature of the animals are going to, the animals are going to, their predatory nature is going to change. I'm going to eliminate whatever, whatever the elimination means. I'm going to eliminate the animals. The, the wild beasts from the land. What's your big question? Rambam already answered that. Rambam pointed to verses that speak how the lion and the lamb will live together. I mean, the wolf and the and the goat will live together, and the leopard and the and the. The Rambam already brought that up, and he answered that it means a metaphor. If it's if that is metaphoric, so the pasuk in Bechukaisai can also be metaphoric when it says the wild beasts. When it says the wild beasts will not be. Uh, Will not will vishbati chayyarom in aretz. I will get rid of wild beasts from the land. Doesn't have to mean literal. It can mean the terrorists. They're wild beasts. I'm going to eliminate the terrorists on the land. The human animals. And God will, 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 will destroy them. We'll get rid of Al Qaeda. We'll get rid of ISIS. We'll get rid of Hamas. 
We'll get rid of all the... That's called the Shabbat HaChayar. Get rid of that. In Yiddish, we also know the one. So whenever a, a kid misbehaved, you know, when a kid came running to his Rebbe and had a bloody nose because he got, a kid, he got in a, a, a fight with a kid in the yard, it was always like, you're behaving like a Vildachaya. A Vildachaya is an irregular expression. So we're saying that the Vildachaya, Hashem is going to stop the Vildachaya. Okay, so what's the big deal? That's Radvaz's question, Radvaz's answer. And then Radvaz wants to make some kind of a compromise. And he wants to say it like this, that it's possible to say like this, that in truth, in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, it's possible that when it says that, that, that animals are not going to be predatory anymore, and Hashem is, that it means in the literal sense, because of the holiness of the land of Israel, the elevated state, especially after Mashiach comes, it's going to be so holy and so godly that the leopard will lose his stripes, which, or lose his spots, which means that the ch- nature of the animals over there will change in Eretz Yisrael. In the rest of the world, however, in the rest of the world, when it says that the animals will the the the, the, the wolf and the and the and the and the, and the sheep and the, and the and the leopard and the and the goat will, will all graze together, well, that's referring to uh, the uh, oh, in the rest of the world, it means it means a, a, a it's a metaphor. Now, peace will come to the entire world. We're dealing with a time when there won't be any wars. And everybody will live in peace and tranquility. There will be global tranquility and, and harmony amongst all nations. There won't be any war. But that's not a change in the nature, essential nature. That's a change in human nature, but it's not, it's not a change in the essential Maisa uh, Beratius. Hashem didn't make a miracle to change, change the world. In Eretz Yisrael, however, over there there will be a change in the literal, in the literal sense in terms of the animals. And that's what the Rad- Radvaz wants to say. Okay. Now the question, however, is, if we're going to say that that's, again, Radbaz is trying to say that in Rambam. The question is, can we say that really in the Rambam? Can we accept that? Can we say that Rambam is going to learn, and, and, and if that's the case, if that's the case, we can actually say that that's, if you look carefully, remember we mentioned earlier that, when we, that there is a, two statements. One statement is a statement coming from one statement is a statement from the Gemara Mesechtis Ksubais, and the other statement is a statement coming from the Torah's Kahana, where both of them seem to be saying the same idea, but slightly different. They're both speaking about, they're both speaking about the, um, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the trees, the barren trees giving fruit. But in, in, uh, in Gemara Mesechtis Ksubais, it says it's going to be only in Eretz Yisrael. In the Torah's Kahanim it says it's going to happen where? In the, in the Torah's Kahanim it says it's going to happen where? It's going to happen in, in, uh, in the entire world. Right? So we, we see that, 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 so we see already that there is a, there is, there is a, there is a um, two opinions about that. See, the same idea that, that um, Radabaz is suggesting, we already noticed that. In the, in the difference between the Torah's Kahanim and the Masechtas Ksubas. And then we can say that that's the argument between Ravid and the Rambam. When the Rambam and the Ravid, these two great are, are arguing, if there is going to be a change in the nature of the world, or there isn't going to be a change in the nature of the world, is as follows. Rambam is following what it says in Masechtas Ksubas. And in Masechtas Ksubis, it says that there is going to be a change in the, it says that the, that the, that the, the, the barren trees are going to give fruit, but only in Eretz Yisrael. 
The rest of the world, nature remains nature. That's why Ramam says, in the world in general, nothing will change. And the Ramam is consistent with what it says in Mesechtes Ksubais, that even though it says that the fruits, that the trees are all going to give fruit, that's a unique phenomenon in the land of Israel, and it's a unique miracle that's happening in the land of Israel. Ravid, however, follows what it says in Torah's Kohanim. In Torah's Kohanim, which is the Medrash, where over there it says that all fruits, in general, all fruits in the world are going to bear fruit. Since Ravid is following, um, oh, and that's already a change in the world. That's a change in nature. Because if you're already changing the nature of the entire world, that's called a mitlana. And therefore, Ravid actually learns that when it says that Hashem is going to change the nature of animals, that animals won't, he's not learning it's only in Eretz Yisrael. He's learning it's in the whole, it's in the whole world. So therefore, Ravid comes to the conclusion that there will be a change in the nature of existence, not like Ramah, unlike the Ramah. And we can, so that, that will be the explanation. This that in Eretz Yisrael is a, uh, that, so the question you can still ask, I mean, ha, if Rambam says there is no change in the nature of the world, and yet in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, there is a major change. Animals are not predatory in the land of Israel, and uh, all trees are giving fruit. Isn't that called a change in the world? You can quetch, you can answer, and we can give like a, meaning you can, you can get away with it perhaps and say like this. When a change is taking place in a specific place for a specific time, it's not necessarily called a chidush b'maiseberashis. It's not called a change in the work of creation. An example for that. For 40 years, the Jews were in the desert. And when the Jews were 40 years in the desert, manna came down from heaven every day. The manna fell. They didn't have to work for a living. Food came down from heaven. Bread came down from heaven. Water came from a rock. Right? Their clothing grew with them and it was washed automatically, was laundered by the clouds of glory. So this was a total miraculous existence. Yet, it's not cool that the world changed because it happened only in a specific place for a specific amount of time. Perhaps, perhaps that can be the argument. But if we dig a little deeper and try to use that and say that the, that, that the idea over here is that in Eretz Yisrael there will be different. It still doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem correct. It doesn't seem why. Because to, when, when we're talking about the desert, it was for a 40-year period, but it wasn't forever. If we're going to say that the state of affairs in the land of Israel is going to change forever in terms of the animals changing their nature and all trees giving fruit, that seems to be already tampering with the laws of nature. Even though it's not happening in the whole world. It's only taking place in a certain section. But we're talking about this being forever. It's not like the Midbar when it was a period of time. Or the miracles that happened in the past, which were also for a period of time. Here we're talking about for all of eternity. That's already a change in nature. So therefore it's difficult, um, it's difficult to accept uh, that explanation. And the search is on to perhaps find another explanation. Oh, another proof to this idea. Another proof that we can't answer that Eretz Yisrael is different. That in, in other words, to understand the Mamare Chazal, the statements of the sages, where they do speak of changes, and we're going to say it's only happening in Eretz Yisrael, and because of that we don't have the question of it being a change. There's another reason why we can't accept it as a valuable argument 
to understand Rambam and that the Rambam learns that way. Another reason. Rambam in chapter 11 of the Laws of Kings, when he talks about Moshiach himself, Rambam very, very fervently argues that Moshiach himself does not have to produce miracles. Rambam says that Moshiach does not have to be a miracle worker. He has to be a very charismatic person who manages to get a group of people of very, very, very dedicated and devoted followers behind him at the point that they see him as a king. He is their melech, he's their king. He has to work on spreading Torah and mitzvahs across the entire world to all the Jewish people. He has to influence the Jewish people to observance. He has to eventually bring the Jewish people to the land of Israel and build a holy temple. That's Moshiach's job. And he has to implement the full observance of Torah and mitzvahs. Rambam says, that's Moshiach. And if you see someone who's involved in that kind of a work, and he's a grandson of, of King David, and he himself is a person who diligently studies Torah and observes the mitzvahs meticulously, you can assume that this person is Mashiach. If in the end he's successful, and he builds the base of Migdash, and he gathers all the Jewish people there, then we can ascertain that he's for sure Mashiach. But until that time, he's an assumption, assumptuous Mashiach. That's what Rambam says. And then Rambam says clearly, don't think that Mashiach needs to do miracles, or resurrect the dead, or change, you know, change nature, do miracles. And the Rambam proves Maybe he does. So Rambam says the reason how we know that Mashiach doesn't have to do that is he brings a proof from a previous candidate that people thought he was Mashiach. And that was during the days after the destruction of the Second Temple, the days of Rabbi Akiva, when we had a famous warrior, his name was Shimon ben, Bar- ben Koziva, who later was referred to as Bar Kochva, the son of the star. People saw him as the rising star of Israel, who staged the revolt against the Romans. And the great sages of Israel, Rambam says, including Rabbi Akiva, saw him as Mashiach. They followed him. They, they were his... Right? But then Rambam says, when he got killed, when he was killed, they realized that he is not the man. Because Mashiach cannot be... Mashiach cannot be defeated. Once he was killed, he was defeated. And Rambam says also thousands of Jews, I think, were killed along with him. So that's a sign that what? That he wasn't the Mashiach and the like. And Rambam says, now... If Mashiach's credentials require Mashiach to do miracles, to do spectacular uh, uh, stunts, to change the natural order, how can it be that Rabbi Akiva and, the, and, his, and, his, and, his, uh, and his colleagues followed Bar Kochva when Bar Kochva was not a miracle worker? Bar Kochva did not change the order in the land of Israel. And since they thought that he was Mashiach as a sign, the Ramam says that Mashiach does not have to do miracles Bar Kochva didn't resurrect anybody. So it's a sign that that's not Mashiach's job. It's not one of his qualifications that he needs to do is to do miracles. Now, if we're going to say that Mashiach's world includes a miraculous existence, at least in Eretz Yisrael, that in Eretz Yisrael, miracles do have to happen. And that's part of the Mashiach reality. In other words, what has to be accomplished when Mashiach comes? Let's think. We have to have a base on Mikdash. We have to have the return of the Jew of the exiles. We have to have the implementation of full observance. And we have to have a couple of miracles. Because in Eretz Yisrael, animals have to also start behaving. And trees have to be, stop being lazy. And trees should start giving, right? And all the trees should start producing their fruit. If that's a requirement. So Mashiach has to bring us that. How come, you know, we don't see that Barakach Korchva did that? And, 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 and so... In other words, we can't say that in Eretz Yisrael, even Rambam agrees that there has to be miracles, because then the Rambam's argument about Bar Kochva not doing miracles is a faulty argument. Because 
Because even according to Ramah, Mashiach does have to do some miracles, at least in Eretz Yisrael. And Bar was in Israel. That's where the revolt was taking place, in Eretz Yisrael. And yet there were... So you see that according to Ramam, Ramam's idea that Olam Kimin Hagai Noheg, the world continues to conduct itself in its natural order, has to include even the land of Israel. That even the land of Israel continues to continues to to to, to um, operate in a natural order. If that's the case, we get back to the question: What do we do with the pesukim that says clearly that Vishbati Chayaram in Aretz? I'm going to eliminate or change the predatory nature of animals. What do we do with the psukim that speak about and the Mamara Chazal that speak about that trees, barren trees, are going to give, are going to give fruit, whether in Eretz Yisrael, whether in the whole world. But there is definitely some kind of a, a change that's taking place in the world that the sages are speaking about. How is Ramam going to deal with this if Ramam says there's no changes in the world? So let's perhaps give another suggestion to answer this. And this is from the Sefer Avodas HaKodesh. I say Avodas HaKodesh was a great Kabbalist. Right now it's not coming to my head what his name is. Uh, but in any case, so he writes in his Sefer a very interesting thing. He's talking about this idea of Rambam, about the world not having, having any changes, the world will be a natural existence. And he asks a question like this. He, sa- he wants to suggest an interesting thing. Because he also brings up these Mamar Chazal, these, these statements of the sages. And he wants to explain and say like this. When we say there won't be any changes in the natural order, we means that God will not recreate His world differently. He will not change that which He created. But rather, what is going to happen? But things will go back to a very... The world will heal, and the world will go back to its perfect, healthy state. What's the perfect, healthy state of the world is the way God created it. In other words, since creation, the world was corrupted. Certain things happened in the world that changed the nature of the world for the negative. Our nature is much weaker than it was when God created it because of mankind's sins. Hashem tweaked and and kind of things broke. Things in creation broke. And the world is going to be fixed. Therefore, he says, certain things, when we speak about animals, for instance, that animals are predatory and animals can be vicious and a lion, just read a story of a lion attacking a little kid, a leopard, and just, it's hard, you know, I see these stories where, 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 where or, uh, you know, a crocodile just attacked, uh, I mean, you hear constant stories like this, where animals do things of, so that was not the nature when God created animals. When God created the animals, animals were, weren't predatory. Definitely not to human. To human, they definitely would not be predatory. To themselves, according to Nachmanides, Rambam, we're going to see, we're going to present perhaps Rambam is different, but according to Nachmanides, Rambam, explicitly in Bereshis, and I think he speaks about it this week in Parshas Bechukosa also, is the initial nature of animals were that they were all vegetarian. Animals did not kill. They didn't have other animals. They didn't eat flesh. They weren't carnivores. They ate vegetarian. The corruption of mankind corrupted the animals. After the sin of the tree, if that's the case, Avodah Sakhaydeh says, when we say Mashiach is going to come, Mashiach is going to bring the world back to what we might say factory settings. The way it was set, you know, your computer working, it works as like a halfway, it doesn't really work that well because, you know, we fapachk it, we clog it up with all kinds of junk, and then a virus or two get in, and who knows what else. And these things can cause a corruption in it. 
So then when you reboot the computer or put it back to factory settings, oh, so Mashiach is going to bring the world back to factory settings to the way it was initially stated. And initially when God made the world, animals did not have the predatory. And that's not called a change in nature because that's the original nature. That's not a change. Therefore, the same is also going to apply regarding the fruits. Because there is an opinion in Medrash Rab. It's an argument. It's an opinion, I think, Reb Pinchas. I know his name starts with a pay. As I, that's how he brings it in the, in the Chasicha. He brings it to his name, the Medrash, but Reish Pei. But I didn't get a chance to take a Medrash out. So I'm making an assumption that the pay stands for Pinchas. It might be, if you look it up and you find out it's not Pinchas, please let me know. But anyways, one of the opinions is a Reish Pei, which he says, he says that what? That initially, when the Abishta created the world, um, even from the beginning of from the creation, um, uh, all trees gave fruit. This is the way it was in the days of Adam and Rish. It was only that because of the, after the Eitz Adas, Hashem cursed the earth. The earth is cursed because of you on the account of man. And Hashem told the earth, told Adam and Rish, thorns and just other types of uh, useless types of uh, things are going to grow out from the earth instead of the, what the earth can produce. And therefore, he says, that, that corruption is what made us have fruitless trees. Initially, all trees. Therefore, says the Avodah Sakodesh, since when Mashiach will come, he will bring the world back to its original state. So when we find Mamore Chazal, statements of the sages, that say that animals are not going to have, be predatory. And we have a Mara Chazal that say that trees are all, 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 all trees are going to give fruit. It's not a contradiction to the Rambam's opinion. That when Mashiach will come, there won't be a change. There won't be a change by my severatious. Why? Because, because these are, this is not called a real altering. Change by my severatious means new phenomena that never existed. It's, it's foreign to us, but it's not foreign to the original world. And therefore, it's not a problem. It's not, it's, it's an answer, but it, again, let's, let's, it's not going to answer the second question we asked. If that's the case, then Bar Kochva should have, in his day, since he was, Ramam thought he, since Rabbi Akiva thought he was Mashiach, then he should have at least brought the world back to that state, and that should have been his test. Okay, I'm not going to get there, but that's, but there's another reason. We possibly, so we, we can possibly use the, this idea, try to reconcile the Ramam with all the Memorah Chazam. However, it doesn't carry through. The reason why it doesn't carry through this idea is because Saif Kul Saif, the Rambam, if we're honest with the words of the Rambam, the Rambam says, Lo davar The world will not change its minhag. Minhag means what? Minhag means the way the world is conducting itself. Now, if the world's minhag, for thousands of years it already became, you know, in a shul, how does, how, how does it become the minhag of a shul? <laughs> After three weeks that the people have been, been doing something, it became already the minog that we have to have kishka by the Kiddush. Why? Because you did it for three weeks. It becomes everybody's expectation that now you can't have a Kiddush without kishka. Because this is the minog over here, right? It doesn't take too long. Maybe 30 days, it's already the minog. <laughs> to say that the minog of the world already for three, for 5,000 years, the, the minog of the world, which means the natural, the way things are being conducted for thousands of years is that the trees, animals are cannivores, and, and, and trees uh, are, are, are not giving fruit. That's the nature. That's definitely the minog 
of the world. Ramam says they're not going to change the davar He also adds the word chidush but he uses the word seeming to imply that Rambam is saying that Moshiach doesn't have to bring even a change that's just a change in the nature as we know it. That's why it's hard to quetch in the Rambam, to squeeze it into the Rambam, that when Rambam means there's no changes, he really means only spectacular, extraordinary changes that never happened, that wasn't in existence at all. So we're going to assume that according to the Rambam, those things are not going to happen when Mashiach comes. The world will not change. But if that's the case, what do we do with all these statements from the sages about fruits giving, about all fruitless trees giving fruit and wild beasts um, ceasing to be wild and vicious and just becoming kind and gentle and nice. And how, do we, how do we reconcile the two? So to understand this, um, let's y- take a look at one of the pr- primary sources of Rambam for this idea that the world will not change. Maimonides says that the world will not change. He bases it on a statement of Shmuel. Shmuel was one of the Talmudic sages. And Shmuel says, and it says it in Mesechtes Brachos, Taflam et Dalet. The Gemara says in the name of Shmuel, Ein ben Oilam hazel Mashiach. There is no difference between our world and the days of Mashiach. Ella, only, Shibud Malchi Yisbelvad. The only difference between our world and the Messianic era is only one thing. We will, the Jewish people will not be subject to foreign authority, to foreign nations. We will be an independent power on our own. We will run our own affairs. We will be, and, we will, and, we, and, 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 and people won't mess with us. In general, we will be a strong country. Because if we're being intimidated by neighbors, we really still have a certain degree of shibud malchiyos. The Jews will not be influenced. We will have our own government and our own power, our own kingdom, and we're going to be able to serve God the way, right? And that's Rambam's idea of Moshiach because he's basing it on what Shmuel says. And Rambam even brings, after the Rambam states that there's no difference between our world and Moshiach's world, where he says those miracles that he discusses are only, um, uh, are only metaphors, the, 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 the Pasuk speaks about changes, it's metaphors. And the Rambam says in Allah Habez, again, the last chapter of Maimonides, Allah Habez, Amru Chachamim, the Chachamim say, There's no difference between our days and, and Mashiach's times, only the subservience to nations. Who is the Chachamim that Rambam is referring to? He doesn't say his name, he's referring to Shmuel. Shmuel says so. Fine. So Rambam seems to be paskining like Shmuel. This is his Psakaloch. Mepharshim asks the question. Commentators ask the question. How can we say that the Rambam paskins like Shmuel, which is that the Mashiach's world is a very natural, same world like it is now, when Rambam clearly seems to contradict this, Rambam himself contradicts this in other places. What's the contradiction where we find that Rambam contradicts this? The Gemara says that there is, um, the Gemara is dealing with the prophecies that the prophets talk about. The prophets speak about tremendous goodness that's going to happen in, the, in Mashiach's era. Tremendous abundance and goodness and unbelievable things. So the Gemara says, I think it's the name Rebchia Baraba. Let me get the Gemara over here. The Talmud says, oh, so the Gemara is dealing with the question, when the sages are speaking about that ultimate all those blessings, which period were they talking about? 
Were they talking about, because we know there's many periods. There is Olam which means our time. There is Yemosa Mashiach, the days of Mashiach. There is what we call Elaf Ashvi, the seventh, the seventh millennia. That's after the days of Mashiach. Or according to some, that's called the Olam Haba, the world to come. So which period, when the sages, when the Nevi'im speak about their great blessings, which place is it? So Reb Chia says, I think, uh, I'll tell you who it is. Amar Reb Chia, no. Amar um, oh. Reb Chia Baraba, yeah. Reb Chia Baraba, Amar Reb Yochanan, the names of Reb Yochanan. Kola Nevi'im kulam lo yinesnabu ela le liyamoysa Mashiach. All the Nevi'im only prophesied Messianic era. Meaning everything the Nevi'im were able to see, the Nevi'im had vision. They're prophets. They can see far. What did they see? They saw the Mashiach days. But Olam Haba, what comes after Mashiach, the world to come, the latter after, on that we say, Olam Haba, the world to come, Ayin Asa, no eye has ever seen it. it. Means the goodness of that world was never seen by anybody, so no one described it. That means everything we know about a wonderful time that's going to be amazing, that's in Moshiach's days. Olam Abba is a whole new story way beyond that. Okay. Comes out, according, that's what, comes out according to that, the Gemara says, that Moshiach's time is going to be a very, 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 very um, transformative period. Because the Nevi'im did speak about spectacular things. And if we're going to say the Nevi'im, we're not talking about the Olam Haba, the last and final period. But the Nevi'im, we're talking about Mashiach's age. So you have to say that when Mashiach will come, amazing things are going to happen. If so, the Gemara says, that is, you have to say that Rabbi Yochanan is arguing with Shmuel. Because Shmuel said that the days of Mashiach is very much like now. The only thing is we're not going to have, we're not going to be on a foreign, when the Jewish people are not going to be oppressed under a foreign government. So according to Shmuel, how about all those prophecies that are spoken about amazing things are going to happen? Oh, Shmuel says that's talking about Olam Haba. See, Shmuel will say, he will place all those spectacular things to the next era, to the final stage. Olam Haba, that's what it's talking about. But Yemaisa Mashiach is going to be the continuation of life as it is, only that we're not going to have a foreign ruler. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. Whatever the prophets saw, they prophesied about Mashiach. Olam Abba is even going to be greater. So you see clearly, the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan argues on Shmuel. These two opinions. The problem is that Rambam, who, Rambam, who clearly states Shmuel's opinion that there's no difference between our world and the future world, Rambam himself, in Hilchus Tshuva, in the laws of Tshuva, brings what Shmuel says, there's no difference between our world, but he also brings what Rabbi Yochanan says. Rabbi Rambam clearly states in Hilchus Tshuva, do I have that Rambam in front of me? Yeah. Rambam over here in Hilchus Tshuva brings, clearly, um, the early sages have notified us, that all the toivos, all the goodies that the Nevi'im promised to Yisrael, einam elo ledvarim shall guf, these are physical things, shenehenem bem Yisrael b'yamois ha-melech ha-Mashiach, in which the Jewish people will enjoy in the days of the Mashiach's, in Mashiach's era. B'zman shetachs ramam shalol Yisrael, when the Jewish kingdom will return. In other words, at the Mashiach's era, then all these things will happen. 
But olam haba, avol toivis chaya olam haba, but the goodness of the world to come, that there's no comparison, no one saw it, no one knows that. By the way, Ramam holds that that world, that olam haba world is not a spiritual, it's not a physical world. It's a spiritual existence. In other words, Rambam holds that the last and final destination, according to Rambam, according to Rambam, the last and final destination for all of humanity is a spiritual world. Is Olam Abba is a spiritual world. Okay, but I'll upon him. But Rambam says clearly that all the Neviim are prophesizing for the... Hold it. So Ram, did you hear the problem of it? We're getting to a real serious problem. Rambam brings what Shmuel says, that there's no difference between our world and Yemoyim. Yemoyim I mean, Mashiach is very much the same like now. The Gemara says that if you hold that way, then you have to argue on Rabbi Yochanan. Then you have to say that all the really good things are going to happen when. If you say that Mashiach's world is very much like now, then you have to say that all those prophecies that the Nevi'im say is speaking about Olam Abba. But Rambam says no. Whatever, all the good things that it says about Olam, about, about what the Nevi'im say, that's in Yemoysa Mashiach. But Olam Abba is a completely different kind of an existence. So the Mepharshim asked the question on Rambam because how can Rambam hold like both contradictory opinions? Hold both like Shmuel and like Rabbi Yochanan when the Talmud says they're arguing. Another very, very, another proof that Rambam seems to be in contradiction to his idea that Moshiach's world is very much like this world, very much like this world is another interesting proof, follow along. If we say that our world, Moshiach's world, is going to be exactly the same like now, there's only not going to be any oppression from the nations, if we're going to say that's Shmuel's opinion. So the Gemara says there's another, another sa- other sages that argue with Shmuel. And regarding to what? I hope it's not getting too technical. Follow along, but it's really, it's important. This idea is very important. The Gemara is talking about, in Masech Shabbos, if you're allowed to, or if a man is allowed to walk out with weapons, with his sword on Shabbos. The halacha is that clothing is not considered carrying. When you walk in a public domain, you're not allowed to carry on Shabbos. Clothing is not considered, also ornaments, jewelry is not considered carrying. So a woman is allowed to wear earrings. She's allowed to wear a necklace. The whole question if a man is allowed to wear a watch. Ladies are definitely allowed to wear a watch because it's considered a... So there's a question. When it comes to, um, when it comes to um, a weapon, so is a weapon, at least for a man, whose derech is to go out to war, to be a warrior, is a weapon considered an ornament? Because it was, you know, people, especially... You know, you know, in the days when they had the, you know, the knights, and they all, they dressed that way with their, with their swords, and that was part of, part of being a man, part of being like the... So the question, so the Gemara has an argument. Rebbe Liezer says that you're allowed to wear weapons on Shabbos. Because he says that, that, that weapons for a man is an ornament. The sages say it's not an ornament, it's not considered a tachshit. And therefore, if you walk out with a, carrying a weapon on Shabbos, you're liable for carrying on Shabbos. Now the sages and the Gemara says, what is it dependent on? The Gemara says like as follows. That Rebbe Leezer holds, the Chachamim hold, like sh- the Chachamim hold, um, they bring, it says when Mashiach will come, this, the Pasuk says, Lo yisa goyal that nations will not raise a sword anymore. And the loyum of the word Muhammad, there won't be any more. Not only that, there's another Pasik that says, I will take your swords, 
and I will turn them into plowshares. Or you will, the Chatoisi, people will take their swords and they will destroy their weapons and they will turn them into plowshares to help uh, produce food. All weapons will be. That, that's what the Pasuk says. If it's an ornament, so that's a sign that it's not an ornament. Because the fact that it's going to be destroyed in the future, in the future we want ornaments. The world will be filled with jewels. The world will be filled with diamonds. The world, but weapons are not, are not, are not ornaments. In, in the messed up world of today, weapons can be considered, even in a violent world, okay, weapons can be considered as an ornament. But in the future world, when there's no more war, so people will take their weapons and will destroy them. That's the, why the Chachamim say, ah, oh, but watch with Rebbe Le'ezer. So the Gemara says, according to some, the Gemara gives a suggestion, Rebbe Le'ezer is of the opinion like Shmuel, who Shmuel says that there's, Mashiach's world is not going to be a new world, it's only that there isn't, the Jewish people are not going to be oppressed. And if that's the case, we're still going to have weapons when Mashiach comes. No, was that Shmuel does not hold of this tremendous, of this big change. To him, Mashiach's world is still a very much of a regular world. Comes out according to this, that the Chachamim, who they hold that weapons, that weapons are not ornaments, and that's why you're guilty if you're carrying a weapon on Shabbos, are clearly of the opinion that hold not like Shmuel. Because they hold that when Mashiach comes, there won't be any weapons. That's clear from the Gemara. Which one does the Rambam Paskin and Hilcha Shabbos? According to Maimonides, if you carry weapons on Shabbos, are you guilty or not? Rambam holds of the opinion of the Chachamim. The Chachamim say that when you carry, which means according to Rambam, if you wear a weapon on Shabbos and you go out on the street, you're guilty of carrying on Shabbos. Clearly, because Rambam holds that weapons are not ornaments. Why are weapons not ornaments? Because in the days of Mashiach, there won't be people, we won't use weapons anymore. It's going to be, comes out clearly that Rambam holds that there's going to be a major change in the nature of the world. Not like Shmuel who says, So therefore, these are questions that are asked, serious, serious objections to Maimonides. So here the brilliant answer of the Rebbe, of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which just gives such clarity and understanding, in fundamentally understanding the Ramam, and it's very, very important to understand this and appreciate this. And he makes a simple observation. He says, but hold it. Something doesn't make any sense. The whole fundamental idea that Rambam says that when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a natural world and nothing is going to change. No change in the natural order. The natural order won't be disrupted. He asks a very simple question. Rambam himself is the codifier of the 13, of the 13 principles of faith. Rambam is the one who gave us the 13 animamins. Including in, included in those 13 animamins, which is like the fundamental basis of Jewish belief, the twelfth of those animamins is what? I believe in, full, in complete faith in the coming of Mashiach. And what's the thirteenth principle of faith? I believe in complete faith in the resurrection of the dead. Now if we're talking about a change in the natural order, there couldn't be a greater change in the natural order then suddenly from all the graves, hands start sticking out and people start pushing themselves out of the graves. All the gravestones fall to the side and millions of people start popping out of the ground and they're completely reconstructed and all the, all the people that have been dead for, for even thousands of years and bodies have completely decomposed. But even any dead person coming out. That, and how can, and Ramam, Ramam of course believes in Tchias HaMesim. He said that he plays, and we believe that after Mashiach comes with the resurrection of the dead. Now, if, now, this question is bedafka on the Rambam. Because remember, 
I told you earlier, the question is, what does Olam Haba mean? Olam Haba is a period after the days of Mashiach. There, a period after Yemoisa Mashiach is called Olam Haba. Now it's interesting, there's a major argument between Nachmanides and Rambam, which I had mentioned in this class many times. If the final, final, final stage of humanity, the period called Olam Haba, is for humans, human beings, body and soul, or only for souls, only for neshamas. Rambam is of the opinion that Olam Abba is a bodiless existence. It's an existence only for neshamas. Nachmanides says no. Olam Abba is going to be in this world, and this is the ultimate state. People are going to live in this world forever and ever in their physical bodies. That's the ultimate state. If Rambam would learn like, like Ramban, that Olam Abba is in this physical world, then we wouldn't have a question from Tchiyas HaMesim. Because we can say that Tchiyas HaMesim is not going to happen in the days of Mashiach. Ramam is talking about Mashiach. Mashiach's days are going to be an ordinary existence. We're just not going to be under a foreign rule. You're going to ask me a question with Tchiyas HaMesim. That's going to happen in Olam Haba. That's going to happen the next stage. That's later. I don't know, maybe from the year 6000 and on. That's when we have Tchiyas HaMesim and that happens only in a later stage. But Rambam is the one who says that Olam Abba is completely spiritual. No, no body. So if so, when is Tchiyas HaMesim going to happen? You have to say then that the resurrection of the dead happens in the days of Mashiach. So how can Rambam say that in the days of Mashiach there's no change in the nature of the world? You have Tchiyas HaMesim, the resurrection of the dead. There's no bigger change than that. Of course there's going to be a change in the nature of the world. This is the key to everything. Once we understand this, we answer everything that we ask today about the fruit trees and about the nature of the animals and so on and so forth. One point, and that is like this. When Rambam is saying that Mashiach's coming is not, does not require a miraculous nature, a change in transformation in nature, all it requires is a powerful king to bring the Jewish people back to the land of Israel, build the base of Migdash, have an autonomous, peop- uh, an autonomous government, our own power, our own strength, and all Jews keeping mitzvahs, Rambam is not excluding that there will not happen miracles at a later time. Rambam is talking about the initial stage of Mashiach's, of Mashiach's world. In other words, we're trying to define halachically. I want to know, I want to know when can I feel confident that Mashiach came and I should follow this individual and devote my life towards serving him through him serving God. How do I know? What's the stage? Oh, we have to have the Mashiach world began. Who needs to bring us into the Mashiach world? Mashiach Tzadkenu. That's his job. What's his job description? Give me his job description. His job description does not involve miracles. His job description involves, if he can do it naturally, let him do it naturally. Bringing all the Jews back to Israel, building a base of getting all Jews to keep Torah and mitzvahs, that's Mashiach's job. And that's going to happen, and that must happen at the beginning. First, that's what we have. That's not to say that at a later stage, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 years, I don't know when, that in a later stage after Moshiach Tzedkenu comes, that God bestows extra light and extra power and extra vigor into creation, His presence of Hashem, where certain things start happening that are incredibly wonderful to the point that unbelievable miracles happen. Including what? Of course, Tchias HaMesim. Fruit trees, all trees are giving fruit. Animals change. This all can happen. It can happen in a later stage after Mashiach coming, not at the very onset of Mashiach. And as we're going to see soon, it doesn't mean it can't happen 
right away. It could, but it doesn't have to happen right away. Why? Because that's not the essence of what Mashiach is. What's the essence, according, we spoke about this in other classes, what's the essence of the, the, the halachic concept of Mashiach, the return of the Jewish people to their land, and all the Jewish people serving God the way we were meant to serve Him, in order to serve God with all the observances of the 613 commandments, we don't need miracles. We need what? All the Jewish people in the land of Israel, a Beis Amigdash, which doesn't need a miracle. It, I mean, looking at today's political thing, it, it seems like it needs a miracle. But technically, imagine you have a, a person who Israel just has enormous, enormous power and abilities, and they manage to, to, you can, you know, to, 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 to scare the rest of the world not to mess with us. And we go up there and we, you see already, the embassies are moving and things are changing. That we, the, the Arab grip on the, on the Temple Mount is getting weaker. In our minds, it still needs a big miracle for a base of English to stand there. But hypothetically, if Moshiach comes and brings up, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a feat that can be accomplished without miracles. That is Mashiach's criteria. That's what Mashiach has to do. So it comes out like this. And then later, at whenever God wants, or later, Hashem will bring about extra things. And that's all true because the Nevi'im talk about it. And it's discussed in the Psukim. Great, amazing things that are going to happen. And disruptions of nature. And, and things are going to become much better than they are today. As we spoke to here, the fruit trees and all of that. All trees are going to give out fruit. But that's not a necessity that doesn't have to happen at the coming of Mashiach because that's not what Mashiach is all about. So this really resolves everything. Because according to all of this, we're gonna end, what we say is like there's two stages. There's stage number one, which is Mashiach basic. And there's stage, stage number two. It's still Yemosa Mashiach. It's not Olam Haba. Because according to Ramam, Olam Haba, we leave our bodies and we go into a spiritual existence. But it's still the days of Mashiach. But in the days of Mashiach, Phase one doesn't, do, and that's where Shmuel is talking about. That there's no difference between these days and the days of Mashiach. Only the one thing Mashiach brings back the Jewish sovereignty. That's his job and compliance, and it should be a halachic sovereignty, a Torah sovereignty. Uh, not a, see, the government of Israel doesn't qualify today because it's not a Torah sovereignty. It's not a government of Torah. A, to- a government that's run on Torah and mitzvahs and all the Jews in Israel are excited to serve God. And we have a Beis Amigdash. That's, that's, that's phase number one. And that's what Mashiach needs to accomplish in order for him to establish that he's absolutely Mashiach. And, and, and we remember we spoke about this in other classes. It, in essence, you, that has to be able to be accomplished without miracles. It doesn't mean it, it, it will, it won't, it, miracles won't happen, but it hypothetically needs to be accomplished without miracles for a simple reason. God gave His Torah mitzvahs to work in this world. That our physical world, should be, we should keep His mitzvahs. If, and what's, and, what's, and what's the coming of Mashiach? The coming of Mashiach means perfect observance. It's the first time that we're going to have perfect observance of all 613 commandments. Perfect implementation of Judaism. If that would require miracles, that would say that our world as it is, is not, cannot facilitate observance of God's commandments. That would say that Hashem's will and our world are in conflict with each other. In order for Hashem's will to be implemented, Hashem must change this world. Because the world as it is cannot, cannot be in compliance with Torah mitzvahs. That's inherently wrong. Our world as it is in its natural, regular, as we know it, could be could be 
um, a mitzvah world, completely run, the Jewish people keeping all the commandments. That can be. And Mashiach will, can, will, has to be able to prove that by taking a natural world as it is and having the implementation of Torah That's B'yasa Mashiach. After that, God begins to reward the Jewish people with tremendous rewards and all kinds of nice things. And therefore, great things start happening in a second stage. At a later stage, there are amazing things that happen. Therefore, you'll see an interesting thing. Whenever the Rambam is saying that when, when, when the sages speak, when the, when, the, when the Rambam asks the question, hey, what's with the wolf and the, and the, and the sheep uh, grazing together and the leopard and the... And the Rambam says it's only a metaphor. Why can't we say the same thing? That that too is, is talking about the second stage where miracles are going to happen. The answer is, Rambam only says that on prophecies that are speaking. If you look at the prophet, they are talking about the coming of Mashiach. Those prophets that are speaking about the coming of Mashiach, those, and they speak of miracles, we have to say they're metaphors. Because the coming of Mashiach cannot require miracles, cannot demand miracles. So let, let me put it this way. There's two phenomena. There is the coming of Mashiach, what we call Biasa Mashiach. And then there is what we call Yemoisa Mashiach, the days of Mashiach. The era of Mashiach is not the coming of Mashiach. The coming of Mashiach means the initial emergence or the arrival of Mashiach. The arrival of Mashiach does not need, not necessarily that it won't be, but it doesn't require miracles. That's why all the psukim of Chazal that are related, or psukim or Maimare Chazal, that speak about miracles at the Biasa Mashiach, Rambam will argue that that is all metaphoric. However, all Maimare Chazal, meaning statements of the sages, and and uh, um, 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 prophecies listed in the, in the, in, 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 in the Navi, in Scripture, whatever, in Torah, Navi, and where it speaks about um, um, miracles, but it doesn't, it's not connecting that to Biasa Mashiach. It's just connecting it to what? To Yemoisa Mashiach. That we don't have to say that they're metaphors. It can be in the literal sense. Like what? The trees will give fruit. Doesn't say that that's going to happen by Biasa Mashiach. That's why also Bar Kochva couldn't be tested by that. Because Bar Kochva could, be, could have been Mashiach, and yet he doesn't bring the trees to give fruit, the barren trees to give fruit. Why? Because it's, it's right at the beginning. It's, Yemoisa, it's Biasa Mashiach. It's not yet Yemoisa Mashiach. Maybe it's going to take 20, 30 years until those miracles start kicking in. So therefore... But the miracles of, of, of fruit trees, of all trees bearing fruit, animals having a, having, changing their diet, um, dead people coming alive, all these things according to Rambam are definitely going to happen. But they're not connected to Mashiach himself, to his operation, to his job, what he has to do. That's why the Rambam says, don't think that Mashiach needs to resurrect the dead. He doesn't have to do it. There will be resurrection. It will ha- definitely. Ramam says there will be resurrection. There's no argument on that. Of course, there will be resurrection. But all that can happen at a later stage. It doesn't have to happen at the onset. So now, let me just conclude. However, a very, very important thing. We have to ask: Why is that? So, why is that? Why is that? So, you might. This might be a little bit of a downer because we want a lot of a lot of great things to happen, and we should happen right away. Especially those that are waiting for the resurrection of a loved one, and so on and so forth. 
So therefore, I want to conclude with something very important that the Rebbe adds to this, which is very, very important to understand. He Bechlal says, and understand, if, if, if the context of Moshiach is what? Bringing the Jewish people back to the land of Israel and, give, and, bringing, and, 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 and implementing full observance, so why do we even call for a second stage? I mean, why should that happen? Why is that? What's the content of that second stage? Again, it's not Olam Haba yet, according to Ramam. It's still the days of Mashiach. So why is there such a... And, what, and another thing, what's going to cause that second stage? What's going to cause that second stage to happen in the first place? So the answer, he says, is a, a very interesting idea. He says, the Talmud has an argument about when Mashiach will come. In one verse it says Mashiach is going to be riding on a donkey. He's a poor man riding on a donkey. And in another place it says that Mashiach is going to come with the clouds of the sky. And as the explanation of what, what does it mean, the content of this, is Mashiach coming in a natural way? Or is Mashiach coming in a spectacular godly way, in a miraculous way? If he's coming with the clouds, like uh, 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 Daniel saw him coming with the clouds, it's talking about some kind of a spectacular revelation. If he's a poor man riding on a donkey, means it's a process more like the Rambam describes Moshiach, a king that rises and gets a following and starts keeping. So, which one? Do we have that magical Moshiach we have? So the Gemara answers, it depends on the merit of the Jewish people. If the Jewish people merit, and we were very meritous in the, because of our mitzvahs, and we deserve Moshiach, so we're going to have a spectacular Moshiach, a stunning, a stunning display of Moshiach, like wow. Um, if the Jewish people don't deserve it. Mashiach must still come. He must come, but then he's going to come in a more natural way. Okay. Um, so there's two possibilities. If that's the case, Rambam in, in, in his book of law that we had discussed earlier, which, which, which way does the Rambam seem to be following? Rambam gives us a Mashiach that arrives in which manner? Rambam is not talking about a magical Mashiach that drops out of the sky. Rambam talks about the Jewish people suddenly being aware of a leader who's a great tzaddik and he's very influential and many people follow him and they become very deeply attached to him and this person spreads Judaism and he inspires Jews all over the world to keep mitzvahs and so on and so on. The Rambam is speaking about it seeming to be a very natural order of a Mashiach. So why is Rambam choosing the lesser Mashiach? Why shouldn't the Rambam speak about the, the higher Mashiach? And the answer is, Rambam is a book of law. So Rambam has to give you the, the minimal. What basic needs to happen? If there's extras, there'll be extras. That's a formality. But that doesn't have to happen. What has to? What, what, what is basic? Rambam is giving you Mashiach basic. The fundamental. What has to happen? Or even deeper than that. What Rambam is trying to tell you is the essence of Mashiach are not the spice. That's the salt and the pepper. The essence of Mashiach is the essential element of bringing the Jews back to Eretz Yisrael. Miracles and that is icing on the cake. That's nice. Even if it's going to happen immediately, it's not the essence of it. That's all icing on the cake, extra credit. So Rambam is giving you the essence, the fundamental understanding of what Mashiach is. Now, there will be icing on the cake. It's possible that the icing on the cake should happen immediately. If we deserve it, then Mashiach himself is going to come through a powerful, stunning way. And immediately, and therefore it's possible that at that, right away from the beginning, just like Mashiach arrives stunningly, it's possible that we're going to have the resurrection of the dead also immediately, and it's possible that we're going to have all those stunning miracles happening immediately based on our deservance. But if chas v'shalom not, and Mashiach is only coming to us in a very natural way, 
the bare minimum. Then, here's what, here's what happens. We begin the days of Mashiach just as, as we said earlier, no major changes in the nature of the world. It's just that we can sit, the Jewish people are going to be left without any interference from the outside, no threat from Iran, no threat from here, no threat from terrorists, we don't have to be afraid of anybody. We're also living in a powerful economy, people are doing really well, and we don't have to worry about Parnassah, people are getting, and therefore people can study Torah and learn and connect to God. Oh, once that's going to happen, we're going to have tremendous peace and tranquility, without any hindrance. What are we going to be doing after Mashiach comes? We are all going to become meritus. Because when once we're not going to have any more disturbances, nothing is going to be in the way. Everybody's going to do mitzvahs. Everybody's going to learn Torah diligently. So we're going to catch up that which we were lacking in observance and in virtue. We're going to catch up in no time. So maybe I don't know however long it, how much merit we need, but that's going to add up the points that we're going to start scoring, so to speak. The dial is going to be spinning very fast because there's no interference. Notice, even if Mashiach comes in the natural way, the aftermath of Bias and Mashiach is a, is a time of tremendous peace and tranquility. In that time, Jews are, and Mashiach is there to educate and to teach and to inspire. We're all going to be at our best behavior. So in after 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, we're going to earn the merit for the second special love that God shows the Jewish people when he starts changing the world and elevating creation to a supernatural state. So the concept of the second stage is really not really a total new concept. It could have been there right at the beginning. And it's possible for it to be there. Because from the onset, Mashiach could come in flying colors in a very spectacular way. But it's possible that if we don't deserve that, that we start off with Mashiach coming in a natural way, putting us in a position that we can start learning Torah and doing mitzvahs without interferences like we have today. Then we can catch up with the merit. And once we catch up with the merit, definitely the days of Mashiach include these extra miracles and the like. Therefore, all the questions are resolved because when we have Pesukim that speak about spectacular things and Rambam doesn't have to, and there doesn't seem to be that these things are a mushal, they're all true, but they're talking about the second stage and as I said earlier, the second stage can come immediately, maybe not, maybe it will happen later. Animals will change, yes. Resurrection of dead, of course. But the one thing is important, they're all not the criteria of Mashiach. He doesn't have to do that in order to be Mashiach. What he needs to do is bring the Jewish people to a state of full observance, bringing us to Eretz Yisrael, giving us a base of nation. Because that's all part of observance. We need all the Jewish people to do the sabbatical year, this that we're doing this year, Parshas Bahar. All that is required and is necessary. That Mashiach must do. So Rambam can then... There's no argument between Shmuel and Eim ben Oil Shmuel, when Shmuel says there's no difference about Mashiach and the rest are all only Shibad Malchi, Shmuel is talking only about the actual coming of Mashiach. And that's all the emphasis in Perik Yud Aleph and Ra, in Perik Yud Aleph and Yud Beis and Ramam chapter 11 and chapter 12 about not requiring miracles. Again, this is the first era, the entrance period of the coming of Mashiach. Which, by the way, we're already in that stage, we're already there already. Because even the second thing that we said, that when Mashiach will come, even without miracles, hey, let me just finish this, even without miracles, we say that once Mashiach comes, um, the Jews will be able to learn Torah uninterrupted without any problems. Think about it. We're living in a world where all the, where all the basic work can be done by robots, and we really, won't have, we really won't have any tasks, even naturally. See, it's no more a miracle. Basically, if you don't have to drive anywhere, you don't have to physically drive a car, because the car is driving on their own, and you don't have to shop because you have a smart refrigerator and smart closets that will know when 
when you program it to see when the salt is going low or when the sugar is going low, or when all when you when, you know when your when your cereal is running out and it contacts and it makes an order from Google Express and Google Express sends it over with a drone. So technically, all these things that are going to happen that, that are no more a miracle, which will free us up from all the tasks that we need to do, allowing the Jewish people to be able to study Torah and do mitzvahs. That element is today already feasible without miracles. We're seeing it already. I mean, of course, we still, there's still certain technical things that need to be put into place, but the in, what I'm saying is the infrastructure has already been created without miracles for us, for us to be able to have, and even the Jewish people having Jerusalem and all that is already taking, is happening, that the embassies are moving to Yerushalayim. And we're seeing already, Saudi Arabia already saying that, as I spoke last week, that Israel has a right to be, and you're seeing a change, a fundamental change, naturally, that's, I mean, it's all miracles, but it's a miracle that's kind of working its way from within nature itself. So that's already happening. We, it's possible, however, that at any moment, some incredible divine intervention will kick in because we are worthy. And then the second stage will suddenly join the first stage and kaboom, wow, what's going to happen? Or if not, chas v'shalem, it will continue working its natural system. Mashiach will come, a base of English will be built, and then within the next few years of intense observance of all the Jewish people together, we will merit those extra icing miracles, icing on the cake miracles, which will bring about changes in the world on many, many levels of tremendous transformation that the world is to see. May we merit uh, to see the coming of Mashiach. Yeah.